Hi there, my name is Drew Gasparini. I am the composer lyricist for The Karate Kid, the musical, and you're watching and listening to Cobra Kai Companion. Welcome back to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion, and I am Peter. I am Brianna. And today, you guys making his triumphant return, Drew Gasparini. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. Happy to be back talking to you, Peter and Brianna now. Hello. Yes, hello. And Brianna now, but also on video. So for those that missed it, but Drew, the last time you and I spoke was literally right before the world shut down. That is right. Yes, I remember. Early March 2020. Crazy. Because I did go back and and listen to that. A great backstory of, um, you know, how you got into music, about your family and your siblings, uh, you know, um, making music together. So, so again, for those that are only video subscribers, go back and check that out. I'm sure we'll link that somewhere. You can listen to it on Spotify or iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can find podcasts, really. So let's kind of jump into it. Let's let's get yeah. caught up with Drew. Um, so when when we spoke last, the cast wasn't even cast yet because well, no. w- w- one of the actors, uh, Luis Pablo, is like fourteen years old. I'm I'm totally I'm, joking, I, but I, I, no, I, no, I mean you're not joking. I mean you are joking, <laughs> but you're also not. He's a very young guy. I think he's nineteen years old. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. And so we this is the St. Louis cast, and th- there's a great chance everybody that is a part of this cast will come along with us to Broadway. There's a chance that some people might get replaced down the line because of certain things that happened here with this production. Because uh, what we're doing is basically what they call a pre-Broadway out-of-town tryout. A lot of hyphens in that giant phrase I just said. Um, But most Broadway productions do this. They'll either have an off-Broadway show and transfer it to Broadway, or they'll go to La Jolla in San Diego or Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle or Atlanta or Boston or Chicago. And this is the first time Stage of St. Louis has done a pre-Broadway tryout where we kind of see what the show looks like before we commit to a Broadway theater. Because that is like... You freeze that bad boy. There's no editing room for us. It is that's the show forever and ever and ever. So before we commit to um, a life on Broadway, however long that might be, we have to do a tryout. And that's what this performance is. And that's what this cast is that was announced. So, yeah, uh, this this wouldn't have been any different like pre pandemic, is it or is this? Maybe this is um, a different cast uh, from the pre-pandemic cast. We had uh, a workshop, I believe, right before I spoke with you in 2020. We just had an industry workshop that went really, really well. And uh, I don't think I think we only have one or two people from that cast. I think our Lucille and our Crease are the only two people who remain from that cast who are still with us. Yeah. And they're amazing. Did the other actors age out or did they get attached to other projects? Sometimes that's the case. Sometimes they get another call for something else or sometimes a pandemic happens and everything kind of goes up in the air and you got to start from scratch again. So that was probably more the case. So where did this cast come from? Are they from just St. Louis or no, no, most of these are are New York Broadway actors, most of them. And this is a very typical thing. If you're an equity actor, you'll do an out of town gig. There's a handful of local St. Louis people, uh, which is extra exciting, especially for the people here in St. Louis, that they get to see like some locals, a part of something so mammoth and um, commercial. Um, and there's some people from Southern California as well. We're kind of all over the place now that I think about it. Uh, if you have an agent and you're an actor, you definitely auditioned for this show. I think we got something like 2000 video submissions for auditions. It was wow. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so when, when, um, when did you guys kind of start the process again or start up the process again? Uh, I, I would imagine that pandemic happens and there's a big hold, right? I mean, because yeah. you guys were going to go to Broadway, then you had to stop. And so when did you guys kind of start the process all over again? 
Well, uh, Kamiko Yoshi, who our lead producer, uh, is she's from Gorgeous Entertainment. She's the one kind of helming this project. She was very good. And I've said this in a couple interviews now, and I, I'll say it again and again, because I think she's just kind of a genius and just a superhero badass. Um, while the rest of the world was completely shut down during the pandemic, Forgive, by the way, my upstairs neighbor just decided to play music very loudly. So if you hear that, I'm sorry. Uh, but while the rest of the world was shut down for the pandemic, she was very good at calling all of us, me, Robert, uh, even Keone and Mari Amon, our director, and the whole team just kind of saying, hey, just so you know, the minute we're allowed to, we're getting right back to work. So like, let's keep looking at the script. Let's keep uh, tweaking the songs. Let's keep imagining what the choreography is going to be in, and putting together little labs of movement so we can see this thing kind of shape up. So during the pandemic, we were really working still uh, for a good chunk of it. So right when doors opened, we had another like a four week, what they call a lab, which is where you kind of put on a full production without a set or costumes, but actors memorize lines, we're throwing rewrite songs at them. Like every day, there's a new song for them to learn. It's kind of wild. And we invite the entire industry to come check out what we've gotten. And uh, the response was amazing. And uh, we started auditions for that in like July. We did the workshop in August. Then we kind of saw what we had and then we decided to recast a few things. And we had those auditions again in January. And that's who's in our, uh, in our St. Louis cast. Right. Yeah, I think they were all just announced in February. Yes, that is right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I know how it felt for me just as... Uh, someone who wanted to be there so much when I was a kid, never made it, never will. As someone such as yourself, I know that I caught you know various tweets here and there. The day the lights went off, what was that like? What did what did that feel like for you? Um, there was a, a good portion of fear mixed with denial all kind of at once. Like that's because you look at history too. like the one thing that just doesn't shut off and the show must go on kind of mantra theater. This this is unprecedented what mm -hmm. happened. It never has happened before. So the longer time went and the more Broadway League would put out the announcement of, OK, we're actually going to open back up in June. Okay, actually, we're going to open back up in October. Okay, actually, we're going to close for the rest of the year. And then we'll see. You're like, I don't have a career anymore. It, I, this is it. And I've got, you know, for me personally, the entire industry, of course, was in shambles. A lot of people pivoted and got their real estate license and like really had to about face in terms of their career. And I had a hard time finding what else I could do. I dropped out of college and moved to New York really with just one thing in mind and it was writing musicals. And I was a hustler and I really worked my ass off. And when you get like the karate kid, you just did the reading and it's all looking good. And then whoosh, vanished. It's tough to talk about now. I, I, I had therapy today. I still, I still talk about it. It's terrifying. It was a terrifying thing for the whole world, of course. Um, but it all happened first in New York, and that was devastating. And, you know, live performance, if you make your living doing anything where you need a room full of people, that was that was a that was a blow, a big blow. Right. Yeah. I mean, because you you perform outside of just this as well. There's plenty of videos on, on YouTube uh, oh, with yeah. you. You know, the we, we talked about it in that first interview where you kind of call this slam poetry, you, but you said it was just you being lazy, not not writing music uh -huh. uh, for what I was like. Oh, it's poetry. <laughs> You're like, it's kind of like slam, but you know, it's supposed <laughs> to be a song. So you you mentioned uh, uh, Mari and Keone. Um, it sounds like they were attached to, to this pretty early on as well. Then, yeah, I think I was on it for maybe two years because you know before you get choreographers involved, you kind of have to know what the music's going to sound like and what it's going to the the feel of the show is. And uh, they started coming to like table reads just to hear it out. So I don't know when it all became official, but I met them maybe 2019 and then it, it got like signed still delivered late 2019 is my guess but uh, ever since they came on we've been very simpatico and uh what lovely people their husband and wife for fuck's sake oh can i swear am i'm so That's sorry fine. about that uh, yeah. <laughs> good cool uh but like it's amazing 
how well they work together and they know what the strengths are between the two of them and how they divvy that up uh, amongst the cast and teach things is unreal. And I know you're a fan, Peter. And so if you're familiar with their style of movement, some of it is like big and, and kind of cr- like amazing and crazy. Like, how does the body do that? And some of it is as simple as like, like yeah. a move like that. Right. Sure. And it's so specific with like, and it looks like, the whole body is saying a whole story. It really blows my mind. And I'll say this, I've said this a hundred times in interviews at this point, they are reinventing what Broadway looks like. They really are in terms of the movement, the same way that Bob Fosse did back in the like 50s, 60s, 70s, when he started to really come out with his like weird thing that he did with the hat sideways and the steam heat vibe of it all. He like reinvented the the look of movement on a stage and that's what they're doing right now uh and this is their first or second big big thing that's going to broadway and once their stuff is on a stage in new york the landscape of choreography is going to change forever i am amazed by them and the fact that my music speaks to them in a way that inspires the movement that they're giving this show makes me feel so good about the team effort of it all. I really like the relationship my songs have with their movement. Wow. I can't say this whole interview could be about them. I'm actually kind of obsessed with them. And we sit in the audience, we're watching the show and we jab and make jokes. And it's just great. It's great to go to work with them. Well, if 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 they like you enough to watch this interview, I would like to speak with you guys too. Um, just just because, like you know, I mentioned to you before we start recording, I'm very familiar with their work from ABDC. And when I was looking into, like, okay, who who is working on the production here? And I looked up the choreographers, went to their Instagram. I go, no way. Okay, so the Kinjas that that makes sense. Like that that just totally makes sense. But I never even thought about it. Like, has that style been seen before? And it wasn't until Robert came on and was like, no, yeah, no, you guys haven't seen this stuff before. And I think you even mentioned it in the um, the St. Louis uh, clip that you shared recently as well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really excited to see what, what it is because I feel um, all these dance crews that we have uh, come to watch on competition shows, like they know how to highlight certain individuals' strengths. And yes. so it'll be very interesting to see what they give to, um, you know, some of, some of the cast members. Oh, yeah, you, you'll see. And there's like a collection of like, I mean, the whole cast is insane when it comes to their singing and their dancing. I'm blown away by their talent every day. And I'm thankful I don't have to do it because what like like they're each burning about 6000 calories per show uh, just with the amount of like breathing and singing and dancing. And oh, my God, it's so much. Uh, But, yeah, there is a a collection of a few of them that are they just really speak the vocabulary of Keone and Mari in terms of the movement. And it really lands on stage. Wow. Oh, my God. I'm like, (laughs) it is so good. (laughs) Yeah. I can't wait for you guys to see this show. It is actually so good. I, I am. Just, I'm counting down the days. I've got. I've yes. got uh, eight days left. You'll and be your opening night. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Front row center. I will be right. right there. I cannot wait. Oh, so you're coming on the May 25th. Yes, I am coming so Wednesday night. I'm from. This Rose is Center. the very the very first preview. So opening night is actually technically June 1st. So what you're going to see is like before we even say. Like there might be a chance we have to fix something during the show because technically the show is not frozen by the time you see it. It's a preview. Oh, really? Yes, which I think is I've seen many previews on Broadway. I think it's a super exciting time to see a show because it's going to be the most energy that the cast gives because you're going to be so excited. You'll be the very first audience they've ever had. So that is a really cool thing. Well, I Um, accidentally have a ticket for the Sunday matinee, too. Should I come to that one? Yeah, come to all. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> How long are you oh. in St. Louis for? I thought, are it, you there? I'm, I live an hour away. I can go to oh, St. Okay. Louis whenever I want. Oh, my I didn't God. Know that. Yes. Yeah, then I had then no go idea. a few more times after that, too. Right. Tell your friends. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. Following up on the choreography question, yeah. as, as, along with the singing and dancing, bearing in mind that this is the Karate Kid. Yes. Uh, how much work did the dance choreographers and the karate trainers have to do to integrate those two into each other? So Keone and Mari were already they already had some familiarity with uh, martial arts and karate. And uh, Robert is also very involved just in terms of the style of karate, which is something called Goju. And uh, the way that they've 
implemented it into the dancing makes it look like a very good blend of the two worlds of like choreographed dance and fight uh, or martial arts rather to the extent that uh, somebody that they know uh, Sakura is her name. She is a karate uh, Olympic karate champion. Like she came to St. Louis and taught all of us, me included. I did. I don't have to know, but like, I just wanted to partake because my whole thing while putting this together is just be here, watch every bit of this come to life. So I really wanted to get involved. And that is how authentic this production is going. I mean, like just in terms of wanting these dancers to know the appropriate stances and like where you're putting your arms when you're in fight stance and how to block an actual life, not just in the spirit of dance, but like an actual karate um, situation or formation. Um, and she taught us all a kata, which was like so cool. And it was, it was wild. I mean, it's, it's wild. The authenticity is a very important key element to this uh, project very much so. For those that follow us, obviously we cover so much about Cobra Kai and there's so, um, so very little content that comes out prior to a season's release. We're actually being able to see a lot of, um, you know, the, the cast's the stories, you know, with the musical. Like I, I've seen Sakura's, uh, I don't know if it was her, but I definitely saw her in a video uh, with the class. And yeah. I've seen um, other people at the poolside, like working on their dance moves. Yep. So everyone's really excited for one another. And I feel yes. like you guys are really celebrating each other. So I'm really, well really looking forward. Yeah. Well put. We it very much, it's, I've never been a part of a, I mean, everybody knows show business can get really bitchy and catty and egos blow up and every people can storm off. There's not been an ounce of that with this group out here it is so lovely and everyone i think kind of got the job of karate kid myself included i know we talked about this a little bit peter uh but you think karate kid the musical and those two things don't always connect in your mind and everybody kind of came here being like what is this and then on day one they heard the music they're like oh shit this is gonna be good and then when it was the next week and we started learning choreography they're like oh shit this is really good and then we started staging things with this like amazing uh visual concept that amon is putting together and everyone's like this is a fucking broadway musical this is like <laughs> the karate kid for broadway this is not a farce this is not a parody this is so legit it's gorgeous people the reality of it started sinking in and that's why there's a lot of short Shoulder grabbing and just like we got each other guys we got each other we're building something that has a lot of pressure attached to it and we feel strongly that it's amazing so we there is a big love circle going on i'm glad that you brought that up peter yeah no absolutely i mean we we see it and you know it's so easy to be like oh yeah you know the the main cast only hangs out with the main cast but i'm seeing different faces and in stories, in pictures yeah. and stuff. So everyone's really hanging hanging out with one another. So I think yeah. that's really cool, the camaraderie that, that we're kind of seeing. So in um, in some of the things that have been coming out, including our first interview, uh, if, if you can speak on this a little bit more, um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel like it was kind of important to you to not kind of take any of the Conti elements from the movie. Yes, uh, that is an important thing. And I know that there are... Like the way Bill Conti's score is, is put in the movie doesn't necessarily in my ears and in my heart represent the movie as much as his score for like Rocky did. That to me is like, he is in every part of that movie. There are so many songs that are standalone songs that have nothing to do with him, like Cruel Summer and a lot of those other Karate Kid things that are like so fun and young. And that's really what it's about. So instead of taking those songs, like I'm writing my young fun songs for these young fun people in this young fun show, but I'm also putting my spin on crease, which I like it's uh, we do pay homage to, I'm not going to say the title of the song. You can probably guess what the title of the song is. Where do you say it? Strike for a strike hard, no mercy. Well, I, that's not even oh. where I was going to go. I was oh. going to say we, we pay homage to the movie by sprinkling in a song that is famous from the movie, but the way oh. it is, the way it is sprinkled in is, uh, if you plug your ears for a second, you'll miss it. So you got to like pay close attention, <laughs> but it's just a way to say, look, we didn't forget about 
we didn't forget about this song. It's I, I can of, guess uh, what song that is. I'm it's sure the you one can. we would all okay. riot okay. if it wasn't yes. there. Yes, of course. But oh, it's okay. really, it's really, really quick. And honestly, and I, I'm not just saying this as the composer because we've had people come and watch some of these rehearsals. The first thing we hear is, "I didn't miss one bit of the music that's in the movie." This is an original Broadway show, and some of the the parts that are really difficult for theater fans and movie fans is if we put the music that was from the movie into the musical that's literally just to say look guys we did the thing you all wanted from the movie but the story is what's important and we're giving you guys the story and the thing that's important for broadway is an original score and that's why i take pride in there are 20 songs in this all of them are original not one is from the movie and you're going to love it just as much this is not a copy paste of the karate kid this is an adaptation for the stage and people need to appreciate that and accept it and I, my big strong stance is if you're a Karate Kid fan, you're going to fucking love this. And if you're a Broadway fan, you're going to want to hate it so bad. But you're sadly, guys, you're going to fucking love it. I'm sorry. You just yeah. are. And yeah, if you're see. a canon purist, since Mark, Robert Mark Kamen's hand is in it, it is canon. You cannot yeah. argue with it. Exactly. I mean, we have the, the man who created the entire Miyagi verse is helping us write this and develop mm -hmm. this. We have uh, Japanese producers. We have a Japanese director. Our associate producer in Dramaturg is from Okinawa. They flew me to Okinawa where Mr. Miyagi is fucking from so I could study the music so that when we voiced him in his songs, that it was accurate to his culture. There is a lot of stuff that if anybody if they didn't know this and they know now there is importance to what we're trying to build here don't go thinking there's a lot of things that you read on the internet of oh they have to turn everything into a musical no you don't you only have to turn the ones that sing into a musical and i swear to god this sings and i also swear to god we're not trying to ruin your favorite fucking movie everybody it's our favorite movie too and that's why we're being so delicate with how we present this so yeah. anyway, if that's not uh, yeah. a selling point, I didn't do my job here today. <laughs> no, I mean, I, again, it's got me excited. I wish it, it was an hour away from me. It's a little bit uh, uh, further down. But, yeah. um, you know, like if, if people think back to like when you guys heard about Cobra Kai in 2018, how many eye rolls did we get back then? Right. You know, they're they're doing what now? They're bringing uh, Machio and Zapka back. Like what what's going on right. here? You know, a lot Included. of people didn't believe. Yeah. A lot of people did not believe in Cobra Kai in the beginning. So, you know, like get over it. Just just, you know, if you are into to musical go check it out like you know yeah don't knock it until you check it out i say the same thing to broadway people who are like oh beetlejuice the musical why does this have to i love the movie they're going to ruin the movie now it's breaking box office records that would be you know? yeah that's got to be amazing that's got it, to be it is amazing it is so amazing i just shout out to alex Brightman. he's like my best friend in the whole wide world he plays beetlejuice on broadway everybody go see it but uh and like when hamilton came out a hip-hop version of a biography of alexander hamilton what the hell is this and then it broke records for the fastest to capitalize its money show in Broadway history. And it's still running, making like $2.5 million a week. Insane. Yeah. And yeah. not you know, just so hip hop, all but one member of the cast is a person of color. Exactly. I mean, like it's it's beyond what people want it to be. And then it exceeds their expectations all of mm -hmm. a sudden. So people can yeah. hate all they want. The Internet is where people go to hate, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. So I, I welcome the haters, but I say don't hate it without seeing it, because that's just a waste of your energy unless it really makes you feel better. And if that's the case, I'm just sad for you. Yeah, there was something that, that you said in our first interview. Uh, I, I kind of forget the, uh, the phrasing. It, it was something like, um, you know, it's a it's a musical like with elements of the Karate Kid, it's not the Karate Kid musical, you know. Um, right, I, I would say yeah. it's not. Uh, it's not. It's its own. It's its, it's own not thing. Like the like Karate Kid colon the musical. It is like the musical, the Karate Kid. It's the it's the movie, but it's a musical. It's not like we're otherwise. It feels like we're making fun of it in some capacity, and we're not. Right. We're taking it very seriously. The story is so. Like the original movie before before the part two and part three, where it's like Miyagi's just like an insane badass who just beats up everybody. It's kind of the franchise took such a crazy turn in those second and third parts. The first one is really a heart, 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 art story and uh, about this mentor and this student. And they're both lost. Like that's a how does that not scream? Oh, this is a play like that is a play. <laughs> You know, he doesn't have his dad. Here's a uh, paternal figure who comes into his life and teaches him something he needs in order to survive in this new place. This sounds like Shakespeare, for Christ's sake. You know, like 
if I, and I think I told you, Peter, when I was asked, when my agent was like, Hey, they want to ask you about Karate Kid, the musical. I said, absolutely not. That sounds absolutely ridiculous. You didn't roll your eyes. Yeah. I rolled my eyes huge. For six months, I turned this job down when I really needed a job too, to be very frank. (laughs) But I turned this job down for six months because the idea sounded so silly. And I was also of that mindset of like, well, we just did Pretty Woman on Broadway. Which other 80s like hit are we going to bring to the stage just because that's what people want? It just seemed like a money grab. And it's not. It is like... I was convinced after I spoke to Robert and Amon, and none of it ever came down to, well, this is what Broadway needs, another commercial movie hitting the stage. It was, here's why we think this is a play. And then all of a sudden, your artistic brain turns on, and your, your integrity is uh, not crumbling at all. You're, you're absolutely fulfilled creating this thing, even though it's based off a giant commercial successful movie, you know? And again, anyway. being being a property from the 80s, uh, you had mentioned before that you didn't want to make the music sound 80s, too, because it would sound like a parody. Yes. I think when I think of like an 80s score, I think of Rock of Ages. And that musical does a good job of winking at the 80s pretty hard. It's like laughing at itself, kind of. And I think that's the obvious route when it comes to you know, like songs, you're the best around, you know, that song is an amazing song to put in the movie at the time. But we have to remember, this isn't an audience of 1984. This is an audience of 2022. And I think to connect the bridge of fans from the original movie and today's audience, we have to find something in the middle there musically. And that is exactly what I did when I wrote this score, I really think I found elements of the eighties that really work, particularly for Crease and Johnny, because even in Cobra Kai, Johnny's still like rocking, you know, what was driving like a Camaro and he's like cranking. Thunderbird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thunderbird. And he's like cranking like hair metal, like rock and roll from the eighties. He's like still there. And there's definitely elements of that in the script, but like the whole, or in the score rather, but the whole score has a lot more of an eclectic, uh, vibe altogether and i think it's really going to speak to today's audience as much as it would a 1984 audience um i think what you said about the the karate kid being a play um i did uh, years ago a character analysis of daniel yeah and one of my like main points was that from the original karate kid through now what daniel is going through is the greek hero's journey Like he is Theseus and Mr. Miyagi is just forgot his name in the Coliseum that is teaching Theseus how to deal with, you know, all of this stuff up to fighting the Gorgon, Um, which would then make Johnny the Gorgon, which got to say Johnny's way cuter than that. But that's, you know, whatever. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But um, thinking back on, like I said, because I told you I was a theater major. That's right. And when I was in college, um, a lifetime and a half ago, all we had as options were musical performance for the stage, acting musical performance for the stage, or directing for the musical theatrical stage. There was no writing or lyricist position for the musical stage. So how exactly does one go about becoming a lyricist if there are no real college preparatory courses for this? Well, I I kind of have this hill that I'll die on when it comes to uh, education in the arts. And it is a tough situation when you get a degree in something where the idea is to have an artistic voice and a unique voice. But I have found, I dropped out of college for this very reason, but then I started doing I did like the BMI uh, workshop in New York and a lot of people I've heard who go to the NYU grad program for musical theater writing. You are encouraged to write based on the foundation that they give you. And the foundation is ever important. It really is important to have the foundation and kind of the rules of what the musical structure is. But the minute you start to sound like yourself, they get scared that you're going off the path that they're teaching you. And what that does is start making people all, we can't all sound like Alan Menken. I love Alan Menken. He's a hero of mine. And that is part of the DNA of my music. But so are like Peter Gabriel. And so is like, uh, Led Zeppelin and so are the Beatles and like a lot of people don't 
like if you go to school, they teach you like, here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. Now here's your degree. What are you going to do? Go to New York with your, Hey, I got a degree from this program for musical theater writing. Where do you go with that? Like there's not one person you could show that piece of paper to and be like, wow, you certainly have the credentials. You're hired. At the end of the day, they still have to hear what you sound like and they still want to make sure you have something unique inside you that makes you not sound like all the other shows that are out there. You know, so to those people who are trying to do this, by all means, get the education you can. I think education is uh, all too important. My entire family is educators. I don't think it's for everybody and I'm happy to say that. Uh, but when it comes to being an artist, don't stop trying things out and failing. That is the only way to get better is to like throw spaghetti at the wall, see what sticks, and then see where the noodles land and what they spell out and be like, oh, that's the thing that works. You really need to keep diving in and diving in and diving in instead of, but I was taught, but I was told, because then you go see a Broadway show and they go, they're doing it wrong. There is no wrong. How can anybody teach you? How can anybody be an expert at something that is perpetually evolving right before our eyes? It doesn't make any sense. You know, if, if that were the case and you could get a degree, In the Heights wouldn't have happened. Hamilton wouldn't have happened. Uh, the Green Day musical, American Idiot, which I thought was amazing, wouldn't have happened that way. Musical Nominal. theater, musical theater is, is so broad and endless that I think getting a degree in writing it is only going to make you feel like, well, I did it right. What's wrong with all these other people who are getting success? You got to find the artistic voice inside. Uniqueness is what lands careers. And if you're in, if you're getting a degree in musical theater writing to get a job, Let's look at the difference between what a job is and what a career is. I'll be broke for 20 years before I get the thing I want to get, if that's what it means. And I'm kind of proof of that because it took me a long time to get to something as big as Karate Kid. But the reason I was asked and I didn't apply, I was asked to submit for this show was because they knew my work and they had heard what I had to offer. And they said, that's interesting. Let's see what he has to say. So uniqueness goes as far as you want it to go. And a degree for musical theater writing only gets you as far as that degree tells you it does. <laughs> does that make sense? Yes. So I'm sure I've upset a lot of people out there. And again, this is not hating on education. This is not hating on the arts programs. This is just like to be an artist, you have to be an artist. Get the degree. Go do what you need to do for your life. But you can't stop exploring and discovering parts of you that don't exist in a curriculum. It's like the difference between honing your craft and perfecting your art. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like I said, the foundation is great. And once you're taught that foundation, now go take that clay that they give you and go make something over here with it. And it's going to be a Picasso or a something else. It's just going to change art. It has to keep changing. You can't keep doing it the same time, the same way every time. So being taught how to do it, feels like you're just getting put in a box and all of a sudden you're going to be like, how the fuck do I get out of this box? <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So to pivot back to the musical and Drew, uh, the, the, the last time you said you couldn't really uh, speak on it. So I, I don't know if that, um, if you can add we'll or, <laughs> or kind of mums a word, but you know, obviously you had songs written for these characters already and with everyone being cast now, did you have to make any changes uh, uh, yeah. kind of dependent on who was cast for these roles? Yeah, a little bit, mostly like key changes. Uh, so it fits comfortably in the voices and things like that. There's been a, uh, you know, the, the writing process for a Broadway musical. And I don't think a lot of people know this. I worked on rewrites today. Like it, even though we open in a couple of weeks, like, and we're on stage and we're, we're putting it together these cast members get new lines and new lyrics and new dialogue and new staging every day up until the minute opening night happens. It is always in flux until what they say is freeze the show. And that only happens on opening night. So you're coming to that first preview. So technically we're not frozen yet. Mm -hmm. So by the time you see it to opening night, some things may have changed at this point, we're in really good shape and there's not going to be like many big changes or anything like that. But writing and adjusting for a cast member or, or whatever it is that that's going to happen, you know, every step of the way and just rewriting to tighten the show up is just going to keep happening. The rewriting never stops. It's um, I don't sleep. Yeah. 
Doesn't sound like it. Um, can you comment on any of the staging that is done or any of the special stages that may be used for transitions and things? Uh, all I will say is all that I want to say, I don't even know what I'm allowed to say. And I don't want to give anything away because I really want people to see this. It is amazing right. what we're doing on stage. Um the fight sequences are so beautifully choreographed and amazing to watch and they blow they blow my mind in terms of the transitions because in movies you just cut away and you're in a new place mm-hmm. and here we have to go from like the high school to the beach to the and it's all happening in real time so there are several transitions and the way that they are done is uh through very very clever staging from Amon and also Keone and Mari um, and that's all I think I'm going to say, but it's okay. It's, okay. That's it fair. really is. It's beautiful. It's like a dance. Every, every transition feels like it's I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to imagine what is going to be your Gaston on the back of the barricades moment, you know? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's definitely a, I know what you're talking about and you'll see. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't say more than that. It's cool okay. though. Okay. Well, I mean, there's there's a budget to make this show look really amazing. <laughs> That's what I will say. <laughs> okay. Okay. So um, obviously, speaking with Robert, he mentioned he tortured you over a year. Yes. I guess we can yeah. kind of figure out the uh, exactly how long it he was. He says but... a year. It was well over a year. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So this is Freddie's song. Yes. One of so... Freddie's big numbers. Yeah, Freddie Fernandez and even Ali and Lucille. We've we've taken some of these parts that didn't have much screen time in the movie and we really really utilize them as these new tools to help daniel with his as uh, brianna said earlier his hero's journey that's what it is this is daniel's hero's journey and uh he can't do it alone he needs to learn just like dorothy <laughs> you know in the wizard of Oz. he needs a scarecrow and his lion and this that and the other and so uh we are i'm not saying repurposing but we're definitely enhancing some of the characters, one of them is Freddie Fernandez. Um, and he does have a couple cool song moments. And the one that Robert was referring to that, that he has now said his favorite song in the show, which is only offensive to me because it's not even in like my top 10 in terms of the songs in the show. There are 20 songs in the show and it's a good song. It's just, it's not the best by a lot. And I think anybody who sees the show will probably agree. Uh, but uh, it's it's a moment for Freddie to kind of celebrate the valley kids you know there's a lot of um valley versus hills in the movie and uh that still applies to our show and this is uh, a moment where freddie and daniel and a lot of the other teens from the valley kind of all sing to celebrate each other for a minute and um he tortured me because i it was one of those things where it was like i don't think this is right i don't think you know what you're talking about and uh we we made it work. I damn him, but we made it work. Um, what was the what was it that that was torturous? Uh, what was it the, the lyrics? Was it um... no? It was the placement of the song. It wasn't, okay. and also the lyrics. Every I think I wrote about twenty drafts of this song, and uh, Robert just like would call me knowing I was on vacation, like literally just to say, <laughs> "You got to change this. You got to change this." and he made my life hell for a little while. This That's is where okay. he was like saying, Drew, you need to read the book. Is that at that point? Uh, where? Yeah, I guess. I, like, I, don't, I don't know what he says because I've decided to block out those months of my life. <laughs> <laughs> we got to move forward, right? That's the path. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I apologize for being distracted. I just bought the second to last ticket on June 1st. Hey! Oh my God! Oh, wow! 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 <laughs> Brianna, real time. So there's only right one more person eyes. coming that night, but that yes. amazing. Wow! I'm Great. I'm there. You should have waited happy. until we got our promo code. But yeah, it's fine. <laughs> oh, we have a promo code coming. We, we will. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Um, That's well, okay. Like, I'll get. We'll you, make sure you get swag or something when you come. We'll, we'll send you, Brianna. Swag. I like while swag. You're, while you're still looking at whatever there, I'll, I'll go with the next question. Okay. Um, Robert mentioned that he had Jake go uh, train with somebody um, to, to to learn some Taekwondo. So that's that's the um, 
you know, the, the effort you guys are putting in here to make styles, fighting yeah. styles look a little bit different as well. Yes. Do you, can you uh, talk about maybe some of the other people like, like Kreese, for example, or um, I don't know if there's other Cobras like the, like the film has. Uh, yeah. All I can say is like, I look at it as light and dark, right? It's, it's very much, um, I mean, there's plenty of comparisons to like Jedi and Miyagi, <laughs> you know, it's, there's, there's the good and the bad. And uh, I love that he had Jake go see somebody to train him and you can see it in Jake's performance and the Cobras are all, there's some people who have martial arts backgrounds or know a little bit about it. Um, and the way uh, the choreography, uh, the choreography team is implementing it for the Cobras, you see the aggressive nature of what they're trying to do. And then when it comes to Daniel Miyagi, you see the soft nature. There is the goju right there. Um, other than that, there's not much I can say that won't be like, and they do this, and then they do this, and then they do this. So all I can say is it is a uh, uh, beautiful to see the stark difference between styles. Um, and yeah, and and just to be clear, I, I Johnny is always been one of my favorite villains and i know there's a lot of online debate of who's really the villain is it daniel is it johnny um and because of his aggressive nature in this production it it makes me feel good that johnny the bully is back because that's how i grew up with johnny was he was the bully <laughs> and i and i enjoy seeing him this way um because i want to root for daniel he's the guy that wins we all know he wins i don't want him to be an ass <laughs> oh, yeah no we get it so if we all stand up at the end of the show that night and start yelling encore, encore, author, author, what do we get? Uh, if you yell encore, I think security will come and uh, take you away briskly and say, <laughs> <laughs> and say the show's over. I mean, I, I don't know, maybe another curtain call, maybe another bow, something like that, but there's not like an excess of material that they can come out and perform uh, of. Maybe I'll come out and say hello or something like that. <laughs> maybe I'll come out and just do a, a concert for you guys. There um, you go. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what would happen. Let's find out. Go ahead and try. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Try to coordinate that, Brie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we know some people that are going to be going. I, I'm not sure they're going the same night as you though. So we'll, we'll see some, some of our listeners they're they're going as well. Oh, excellent. Oh, great. Yeah. Excited to have them. Yeah. So, uh, let me see. I was about to ask, um, I feel like this is probably something you, you can't, uh, speak on, but, Obviously, the Karate Kid film is also known for its iconic crane kick. Yes. Uh, I would imagine it's there. Is it the same crane kick? Is it a, a, your, a, the musical version of it? Now, are we talking the crane kick at the tournament? Or are we talking the crane kick on the pylon on the beach where Mr. Miyagi is doing it? There's a couple iconic like, yeah. looks when I, I think guess of maybe, it. Maybe the beach then. Let's talk about the beach. I, I don't want to maybe give away the, the, uh, sure. you know, the, I mean, the, the I, end. Sure. I don't think it's giving anything away uh, okay. because it's from the movie. So I, all I can say is, or all I will say, just because we've got to leave a little element of surprise, mm -hmm. is that, yes, that is in the show. Uh, Miyagi is practicing the, the crane kick and Daniel sees him doing it. And, and um, it's a beautiful moment. In fact, it's probably my favorite moment of the entire show. One of the best songs mm -hmm. is there. Um, it's called Balance is Key is the name of the song, which is a big Miyagi mantra and um, it's it's in act two and it's just I, it almost sounds like the spiritual thing it's just so so pretty how it came together I'm, I'm blown away I talk about it like I didn't write it I'm like talking about it like this song so, so fun. Good, wait till you guys, guys hear yeah. this song but like so sometimes I'm I'm so like amazed at this entire process or that I'm a part of something as big as the Karate Kid universe. Like I am now, I'm somewhere in the quilt here. I'm some thread in the quilt, even if it's a small thinnest thread there is, I feel a part of this and I feel a duty to, to maintain my excitement too. And with that, I sometimes I'm just sitting in the audience being like, wow, the show's really good. Oh fuck. Yeah. I wrote this, you know, <laughs> like, like there's, there's the afterthought is, Oh, I wrote this. But the first thought is this is really good guys. Are you guys enjoying this? Cause it's wow. Um, but yeah, the balance, the balance moment where he's uh, on the beach and doing the crank kick is there. Are there any songs um, that were significantly not changed, but like the cast's performances of them brought a fundamentally like different feel 
than you had in mind? Like their performance just added something that you weren't expecting? Uh, all of every song has was uh, every performance from this cast and any cast, honestly, has shown me something I wasn't expecting. And I do that on purpose when I write. I'll write uh, a song kind of with this here's what it sounds like when I sing it and here's what it sounds like in my head, but I leave a big bunch of room in my head for now. Let's see what other people can do with this. And I think it's, it's a good thing to do that as a songwriter because what people deliver in terms of the performance completely helps evolve the thing until it lands where it's supposed to. So I don't know that I have been like, that's a great idea. I'm going to go rewrite this lyric because of what you did, or I'm going to rewrite this melody because of what you did. But my idea with their intuition is just like kind of landed in this awesome little spot and it's, it's a seamless kind of transition. So that's what's happened. Nothing. I'm consciously going, I'm going to change that for this actor. Nothing really like that. Oh my gosh. I, I thought I had a question. It was on the tip of my tongue here. Um, I feel is about music and, and the, the actor. Bree, do you have one right now? Yeah. Uh, a, a follow up question. Go ahead. I have to remember what I had in mind. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a silly one, but it is a question. Great. Are how, What are you expecting, um, if anything, to change between the 25th and the first? Is there anything that sticks out to you as this something that may not fall well with the audience that you think you may have to change? It's tough to say, like, yes, there are things in my head that I think will uh, change between the 25th and the 1st, and um, I don't think I can say them here. Just, I I know that's so difficult for these types of interviews, but um, I mean, some of the changes that have already happened, like just as of yesterday, are for that song that Robert loves so much. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) So, uh, but no, no cuts or anything. It's just like, uh, it's an evolution. It's just a change. So uh, there's part of me that thinks that that song will continue to change until it lands the way I really would like it to. Um, But other than that, no, I, I think... I have a feeling what you see on the 25th, you'll see on the first in some, right. in some respect, in some respect. Yeah. Okay. okay. Cause I, cause I know you got to get off like very soon. So uh, yeah, I got, I got like five more minutes. I got like five. Okay. So, okay. So I'll ask my two questions together and then Brie, whatever you, uh, whatever else you have left for Drew. Um, okay. The first, the really first only one. one. Okay, cool. So the, the, uh, the question that I had forgotten was the, um, uh, Obviously, with Cobra Kai, uh, when they brought back these characters, they made them very gray, not black or white. The film was very black or white. These are the ones you root for. These are the bad guys. How are you guys approaching those characters with the show? And also the other one was Robert mentions that he finally names Kiyoko Miyagi uh, and whether or not you're able to speak on writing her piece and how you were able to find her voice. Um, I am not going to speak on that because there's a bunch of a reveal when it comes to Miyagi's uh, dead wife. Sure. And mm-hmm. uh, so I'll, I'll reserve that. Remind me the first question you asked, though. It about was, the uh, how are you guys approaching the characters? Are you guys saying like these are the clear yes, bad so, guys and the clear good guys? So, yes, there is a clear like here are the villains and here are the good guys, just like it is in the original movie. But because it is theater and because it is musical theater, the reason they're singing in the first place is because these characters are so full of emotion and it's true i mean like i I keep uh thinking back to that scene in karate kid where he throws his bike and he's just like i hate it here i hate it here i hate it here that is a moment where he's boiling over with emotion he's he's a young guy and he's lost he's confused he doesn't have a father figure in his life at that point um and now that we've seen johnny and his evolution in cobra kai we've absolutely taken some moments uh from from seeing that johnny's just a hurt young guy and we have put some heart in Johnny. The clear thing is not so much that Johnny's a bad guy. The clear thing is that Johnny is um, the result of a bad guy. He is the result of crease. And what I love about Cobra Kai is he knows that he knows that crease fucked him up and he is aware of that. And that's an adult thing to be aware of. But when you're young, you don't realize you're being indoctrinated to be a sociopath. You don't realize that you're just being taught that violence is the answer. He's a young kid, he doesn't know any better. So we do see a bit of that 
in a theatrical way on stage. And it's, it's heartbreaking and also kind of scary. So um, I'm actually, one of my favorite numbers has to do with the Johnny and Crease relationship. I won't go into it, but I, I just, I love what we're doing with Crease and Johnny in this musical. Love. Jesse. Uh, how many um, tech and or costume rehearsals have you had up until this point? So we have been teching since last week and uh, tomorrow is our first day with the orchestra. We have a 12 piece orchestra with taiko drums and sanshin, it's an Okinawan instrument and horns and synths and guitars. And it's just gonna be so epic. So I'm not even prepared. I'm like, emotionally, I'm gonna be crying all day because I have never heard these songs with a full orchestra yet. So tomorrow is gonna be a big day. So we teched all last week. Uh, got through act one and this week we start with band rehearsals in the morning and then in the afternoon we start teching to act two with the cast and then we do that all this week and then we start doing dress rehearsals and tech runs next week and then we start previews and then we're open and then i cry and shit in my pants and then we go to broadway at some point after that <laughs> um, i, I, I have to ask real quick yeah. just real quick follow-up um how is prop running going because i know prop running during tech rehearsals can get a little insane and people running into each other and things uh, like that there's there is some traffic going on backstage i can just say that as an audience member that there is some like there's a lot to figure out but honestly it's above my pay grade so i don't <laughs> I, I have no idea <laughs> uh, and i forgot that last one i was gonna have so we'll just end it right there yeah um, no sweat yeah, yeah, yeah. So Drew, thanks uh, for um oh no, I, I remember now. Yeah, if yeah, it'd be fun to kind of record your initial reaction to hearing it, but with no audio to, to not give anything away, just to see if you do just like, man, guys, this is fucking good. Who wrote this? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. I probably will record that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly. Kicks and giggles. Yeah, just to see your reaction, just to hear it live. Yeah. Put no, all it's, put together. It's, your it's hard gonna work. be amazing. It's gonna be yeah. amazing. So You're only we'll gonna right do there. it once. Yeah, uh, th absolutely. thank you both for, yeah. for chatting with me tonight. And just thanks so much for your enthusiasm for the project and like getting the word out to all the other Karate Kid and Cobra Kai fans about this, because we really love them. We love the fans and we're so excited for those who are also excited. So your enthusiasm means a lot to us. And uh, Peter, we'll miss you, but we'll see you on Broadway, I'm sure. And Brianna, uh, look for us. I'll be there. Um, I'll be there every night that you're there, I believe. So please okay. come say hello. I will. All right. Definitely. So Drew, yeah, we'll go ahead and let you go. Everyone go ahead and give Drew a follow on Instagram. I think you got off of Twitter for now. So that's uh, right. If you guys want to see any behind the scenes stuff, give Drew a follow. So thank you guys for tuning in and we'll catch you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Haven't you done enough, princess?